guys, welcome back to Revive School. Yep, here we are, a brand new week, and we get to study through the Gospel of Matthew. Now think about this, you know, for months upon months, we were talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In fact, yesterday I was talking to my son Jude, and, and he asked me about the book of Numbers. He goes, what's the book of Numbers about? Kevin, if you had to come up with something really quick, what would you say? Uh, curses and blessings. Oh, I just said numbers. I would have said numbers. <laughs> I just said, Kevin, way to go. You like, you went there. I he, thought maybe. Kevin's scared of numbers. I thought he is. <laughs> I don't do numbers anymore. I've been, I've been thinking about that centurion for a little bit lately, Kevin. Uh, you know, or you could think about the one word, the rock, right? Remember we have the painting that we have one word that describes each book of the Bible. And so I just talked to Jude about numbers. He's like, really? He just talks about numbers? I was like, yeah, but all of it then ends up pointing to the Messiah. And it was really kind of fun just to have a little simple conversation with a six-year-old. You know, our book of Matthew that we're talking about, the one word is is king. And uh, to me, it's kind of fun because I'm going to write this up on, on, on the board. But when you have a king, something that always goes hand in hand with a king, like if you're in America, you have a president, and then you always have representatives that represent the country, and then they go to other countries. They're called ambassadors. What you're going to see in Matthew 10 is really the beginning stages of the king's ambassadors. It's kind of a cool picture. Now think about this back in Isaiah, which we haven't studied yet, but in Isaiah 6, 8, Kevin, can you go there for a second? It's, it's kind of like a, here's a, a picture of what we're talking about. You know, it says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who should I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. This is the mentality that we're talking about. The king's ambassadors that will go and represent saying, I'm in, I'm in, here I am. Will you please send me? And so why do we use this as a backdrop? Because it says in verse 1 of Matthew 10, it says, Summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, here's what's, this is kind of mind-blowing to me. What you're going to see is the word disciples here, but what you're going to see is apostles. That makes sense. You're going to see, oh yeah, here's the 12 disciples, but you're going to see apostles and their actions being fleshed out. When I think of the word disciple, John MacArthur does this. He says it means student or one who's being taught by another. But then when you think the word apostle, it's one who is qualified, a qualified representative who is being sent on a mission. That makes sense. So what I see right now in Matthew 10 is that Jesus is getting ready. The king is getting ready to send his ambassadors out on a mission. He's not necessarily saying, hey, would you come and just learn and sit at my feet. This is a game plan. This is an action plan that's actually going to be uh, implemented, that's actually going to change our lives. So this chapter right here began to start, I began to see a whole new perspective of the mission of 12 disciples in, in our conversation, 12 apostles. Now, it's kind of crazy to me. It says he gave them authority. Well, how, how does that work? Like, how, how does that work? <laughs> If you're going to give authority, you have to have authority. Okay, so that's a great observation. So obviously Jesus is implying he has authority. Now, in, if you do any kind of a background study, no other leader at this point has ever given anybody else their authority to somebody else. So like this right here is absolutely unheard of. I'm giving you my authority. And the purpose of, of this authority is, and I like what MacArthur says, it's to announce and prepare the arrival of the Messiah. 100%. I need you, disciples, also apostles, 
to get the place ready. Remember John the Baptist, he's been preparing the way, but now I need, I need you guys to help prepare the way. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you authority so that you can actually do signs and wonders, that you can do the miraculous. I need you to get, uh, you know, remove unclean spirits. I need you to drive them out. I need you to heal every disease that didn't say a couple of them. Like everything that you touch, everything that you encounter, every person, I want all of that, I want all of that to be gone. Why? Because Jesus, at this point, I actually believe he's truly getting ready for him to be king amongst his people. Like this is the, the charge. This isn't like, I want to make an observation. This isn't Matthew 28, go and make disciples. He's saying, no, I want you with authority. I want you to start cleaning house and getting ready for the king. And so who does he choose? He says he chooses 12 guys. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to write them down. These are the names of the 12 apostles. And now here's the shift. Did you get that? So it went from 12 disciples to 12 apostles. Now first, and what you're going to see already is that you're always going to see him in lists of pairs. Okay. So you're going to have Simon Peter. Okay. And this is, these are the infamous 12. I'm going to write these names down because I want you to understand these are, these are everyday guys. So you have Simon, who is called Peter, and then guess what? It's his brother, Andrew. Okay. Under that, you have James and says the son of Zebedee and John, his brother. So you have James and John. You guys remember what their nickname is called? Sons of Thunder. Sons of Thunder. Sons of thunder. Uh, and just so you know, all those guys, all those guys, fishermen. Okay. That, that's their qualifier, right? Now, if I'm just going to tell you now, the inner circle, this is the inner circle of Jesus. Right here, a bunch of fishermen are the inner circle. And they're, they're the apostles who've been given authority to do what again? To cast out things, to deliver people from things, to basically prepare the way because the king is coming. Scripture continues on in verse 3. He starts listening more of the apostles. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew. Uh, who is Matthew, you guys? The writer of the book. He's the writer of this book. So Thomas, strangely enough, got paired with Matthew, the tax collector. But many, many theologians would say that Matthew could be the brother of James, the son of Alphaeus. So he didn't even get paired with his possible brother. Must have had some issues. <laughs> I don't know. So here you have James, the son of Alphaeus, and he gets paired with Thaddeus. Now, just a quick picture on, make sure I spell Thaddeus right. Quick picture on Thaddeus. Thaddeus is also named, uh, you'll see in a couple other versions of the scriptures, meaning uh, other, other Gospels is what I mean, is that his other name could have been Libius. But then really he went by Thaddeus probably because many people knew him as Judas. And he probably didn't want to be labeled as, are you Judas? No, not, not that Judas. You know, like that's a real legit, like, oh, I'd rather be this guy. So anyway, he's got a couple names, but he's paired up with James, son of Alphaeus. Okay, let's keep going here in Scripture. You also have, uh, in verse 4, Simon the Zealot. <laughs> that just means at one point he served in a political party. The Zealots are kind of like the Tea Party people. Right? It's a bad analogy, but to give you an idea, he's labeled as that, that political guy. And, and guess who Simon gets to be paired up with? Ah, oh, fine, I'll take him. You know, it's kind of like, I drew the last straw. I got Judas Iscariot, right? Uh, and so Simon and Judas are paired together. Now, you have brothers, you have brothers. The, they're the inner circle right here. Okay, and then you have the Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. Matthew's name also could be Levi. And then you have James and Thaddeus, Simon and Judas. Now, why I wanted to write out these names, because to me, remember when we did this with the 12 tribes? Remember how we wrote out the 12 tribes and you really wanted to begin to remember Simeon and Reuben, right? And 
Levi. <laughs> and then it goes to, there's one more in there, Judah. And then it just keeps going down. I want us to get in our minds the 12. Eventually, eventually, Judas Iscariot, he's going to be taken out. And then he's going to be replaced at the end of the Gospels. But for right now, we have the 12. And so here, here's what's happening, okay? Jesus, it says in verse 5, sent out these 12 after giving them instructions. So it's kind of cool. To me, the king is giving his ambassadors, here's your game plan, guys. I'm going to spell out exactly what you need to do. And oh, by the way, you're, you're going to be partners. You're going to have to do this, do this together. I don't know. I, I, I think to me, you're like, well, all right, you want to do that? You know, like I, I can just imagine the, the pair sounding this out. Like, well, you take the lead this time. I'll talk first. No, you talk first. You know, do you want to pray for the deliverance or no, I will. You know, like you have to work through these things. And here's Jesus's instructions. His first thing is, is he says, I don't want you to go to this place. Don't take the road leading to other nations. And don't enter any Samaritan town. In other words, it's not that he's going to forbid them to go to those, but I want you to stay focused on your target audience. Okay. Now look, I'm just going to start referencing, you know, where Christ is sending people in Romans one, verse 16, Kevin, if you'll go there, this is the target audience. And, and as I started studying this more and more to me, I'll be honest, I didn't see and put all of this together. Like you get snippets of stuff, but for me, it, it just started making sense. It says in Romans one sixteen, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Okay. The good news, because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes first, to the Jew, and also to the Greek. So the gospel, the salvation, was intended first and foremost. Their target audience is supposed to be to the Jew. And oh, by the way, don't go to the other nations. Don't enter any other Samaritan towns. And in fact, it says, Scripture says in verse 6, instead, here's what I want you to do. You 12, are, are you listening? You know, Matthew, are you, are you paying attention? Yeah, I'm trying to write fast down here. You know, Thaddeus, are you, are you tuning in? Yeah, I'm just figuring out which name I should use. You know, but I mean, like, I think people tune out all the time. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the lost sheep. Okay, repeat after me. Jesus is telling the 12, where are we going? Yes, Jesus, we're going to the lost sheep. You're my ambassadors. But you guys, this is, this is a new thing. This isn't normal. These guys are fishermen and they're cheating people off of their money. And now all of a sudden they're going to do what? Well, right now, at this point, Kevin, if you go back to, to verse 1 of Matthew 10, right now, the, the only thing that they've been told to do is they, they've been given authority to go get rid of the unclean spirits, drive them out, and to heal every disease and sickness. Like, right now, that's, that's all they've been told. And they said, by the way, I want you to go to the Jew. I want you to go to my people first. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because salvation is clearly of the Jews. John 4, verse 22 just has the same mentality that salvation clearly comes from the Jews. Scripture says, you know, remember when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Why? Because salvation is from the Jews. Jesus is saying salvation is from the Jews. You'll go to Matthew 15, verse 24. He replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus' target audience the king's ambassadors, the 12 <laughs> disciples slash apostles, where were they sent? To the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, they left, they're scattered, and I need you 12, I'm going to break you up into pairs, and I want you to go find them. That, that's it. It's, it's a big game of lost hide and seek. I mean, I don't also know how to describe it. Like, this is all they know. In fact, man, all they know is fish. 
He said, I want you to go fishing for these guys. I want you to go find these, these sheep. Go to Jeremiah 50, verse 6, if you would. Another image of the, the sheep, the lost sheep of the house of, of Israel. My people, in Jeremiah 50, verse 6, this is one of the major prophets, Jeremiah, he says, my people are lost sheep. And then look at the problem here. Their shepherds have led them astray, guiding them the wrong way in the mountains. They've wandered from mountain to hill. They've forgotten their resting place. So this is the prophetic word saying, hey, this is a major issue. And Jesus is saying, okay, guys, I need you to go find the lost sheep. This is the constant image of my people. They are lost. All right. Now that we have this backdrop, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to verse 7, okay? Once you go to verse 7, it says this, As you go, announce the kingdom of heaven has come near. I want you to understand that this word heaven, remember this, we've talked about the, the Jewish perspective, they don't like to use the word God. Uh, they're very, very respectful, respectful. So the Matthew, the writer, was probably very sensitive to this. So instead of saying the word God, he changed it to the kingdom of heaven instead of kingdom of God. That's really it. But when you think of kingdom of heaven, when you think of kingdom of God, I love what MacArthur says. It's really a sphere of God's dominion over those that belong to him. Okay, so in a weird way, you're like entering an atmosphere. You're entering a zone, okay? You're entering in the sphere of God's dominion. And then as this process is, now watch, once you, once you approach the kingdom of heaven, it now manifests, heaven, spiritual rule begins to take over your heart. So you kind of, you walk in, I want you to actually think about this. You're walking into this spiritual climate. And then in that climate, as you're in the presence, then that begins to take over your heart. Does that make sense? Because to me, I think kingdom is, it's out here and it's in here. Like you can't just have an image of, oh, it's over there. No, it's here and it's a part of us. Eventually, though, the kingdom, eventually, this is key, one day we'll, we'll actually have a little earthly kingdom. We're not there yet. So we can represent the kingdom of God now until it is fulfilled. Now, Interesting enough, as this begins to unfold, in fact, Kevin, can you go to there? Let's go to Revelation 20, verse 4. Let's just talk about that literal kingdom of eventually of what we're, of what we're after. Uh, eventually, this is what's going to happen. They came to life and reigned with the Messiah for a thousand years, verse 5. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection in verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of the Messiah, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. This is the, the ultimate where we're going, okay? This is the ultimate literal uh, earthly kingdom that we're talking about. We're not there yet. Now, in verse 7, there's something that's kind of interesting. It says, as you go. When you hear that, what do you guys think of? The as you go mentality. In the process of you going. So, like, it's not, just, it's not just to one place. Which is exactly what you're saying. As you're going, why? Because if they're lost sheep and they're scattered, you're not going to just go set up an organization, set up shop and say, hey guys, everybody come to us. The original model of going after the lost sheep, you know what it was? It was actually going. It's a simple observation, but how far have we strayed from that simple model of even finding the lost sheep in America today? Well, it kind of goes back to, he gives some parameters on you know, kind of the outside boundaries, where to go look, but you don't know where you're even, I mean, if you're lost, you don't know where they're at. So you got to look for them. That's right. Absolutely right. Okay. Now watch this. Uh, plumber, he's not a, a occupation. This is actually a commentary. Okay. Commentator person. This is what he says about as you go. He says this, 
They are to be field preachers. Okay, the 12. They're supposed to be field preachers moving from place to place. There's no permanent organization that is to be attempted. The sheep are all scattered. And the number one thing is to awaken in them the desire for a shepherd and to be a part of a fold. The Messiah and the kingdom. I love this line. The Messiah and the kingdom are ready when they're ready. Jesus sent them out. He's ready to usher in the kingdom of God. He is giving them in starting in Matthew 10. And th- this is where I think for me, I, I, I didn't grasp all this. You guys, basically from Matthew 10 to Matthew 28, the whole end goal is, you know what it is? It's to go find the lost sheep so that he could en- usher in the kingdom of God. But because the Jewish people kept saying no, there was had to be a different game plan. And I guess for me, I, I was just constantly like, oh yeah, let's throw in some Gentiles here. No, no. Jesus' whole ministry, his whole goal was to go after his own people. And he had 12 ambassadors that were going to represent the king. And I need you, as Plummer said, to be field preachers going place to place because the Messiah is ready. The kingdom is ready. Are the, are the people going to be ready? It's an interesting thought. And then Nelson's commentary said this. He said, when you look at this list of 12, these 12 men should have been, you ready for this one? The leaders of the Israeli body. But they ended up becoming the leaders of the church. Make sense? I I mean, it sounds kind of obvious, but I think to me, obviously God had a a crazy plan and he put all of this together. So I'm not refuting any of it. I'm just telling you, as my mind went through this, he was like, wow, they really just wanted to go after the Israelis. We just, we really happened to be the second option. And you got to be okay with it because obviously because their hearts were hardened in Israel to the Jews, because the Jewish people rejected him in John 1, it says, he says, my people actually rejected me. Then the Gentiles actually got to have an option. We actually got to receive salvation that comes from the Jews. So I don't, I don't know, as I, I just, as I walk through this, so here's what I want to do. There's a, there's a drastic difference. Hopefully we'll get to some more of this. If not, it's okay. I just want to re, I want to emphasize this drastic difference. Okay. I want to walk through a couple of things here that I thought were pretty simple. So in Mark 10, okay, verses five and six, Kevin, if you go back to verse five, okay. So where were they told not to go? They were told not to go to any Samaritan town. They were told, oh, by the way, don't go to any other nations. I think that's really, really clear. And then in verse six, your target audience is the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm going to keep beating this in. I know this. But now let's keep going then. In the process, and I've already said this, I just want to articulate this, between okay, Matthew 10 and Matthew 28, because the Great Commission is Matthew 28, 18 through 20, okay? Between this, you know what Israel does this whole time? This whole time, they reject it. The whole time. There's a rejection process of 18 chapters. Constantly saying, no, 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 I'm good. So then here's what happens, is then the process continues. Then finally, okay, Matthew uh, Matthew 28, if you'll go there, Kevin... 18 through 20. Jesus, look at this. Look, Okay, remember this. This is so cool to me. I never got this until I started studying this. Remember, Jesus had the authority and then he gave the authority to go after the sheep. So now he reiterates it again in Matthew 28, 18. And he says, then Jesus came near and he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. It's almost like he's saying, guys, new game plan, same authority. 
authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then here's what he says. I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. That's the complete opposite of what we heard in 5 and 6 of Matthew 10. He says, don't go to the nations. He says, I want you to go to sheep. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, and I love this phrase, I'm with you always to the end of the age. In other words, I got your back. I'm with you. I'm going to give you the authority. But now no longer are you going after just the Jews. Oh, by the way, you're going after the Gentiles. And it's going to be these 12 guys and they're the ambassadors of the king. Now, eventually, I'm going to go to number four here, okay? Eventually, in Zechariah 12.10, in Zechariah 12.10, when Israel, you guys, begins to repent, when Israel realizes what they have done, you ready for this? To the Messiah, that's when the kingdom will come. And Zechariah 12.10 says, Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they pierced. This is the prophetic word from the minor prophet. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. Here's the cool thing about God. It will come full circle to the Jewish people. And so because they said no, as radical as this sounds, God says, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to take now the message of the salvation for the Jews and I'm going to take it to all of the nations. And all the Gentiles will have a chance to hear the gospel. But in this process of the ambassadors going to people, sometime eventually it's going to come back to Zechariah 12.10 and eventually the Jewish people are going to say, look what we have done. And it says they'll weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. I don't know, guys, when, when you see this, does anything else stand out to you on this? I, I don't know. I know it should seem obvious, but I guess for me it hasn't been. And anything else? No, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever connected that passage. That's pretty cool. So watch this. Okay, so as they're going, remember, they're supposed to be announcing everywhere they go, hey, by the way, the kingdom of heaven has come near, remember? Then it says this, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to reiterate what I just told you in verse 1. I want you to heal the sick. He gets a little bit more detailed. Raise the dead. Cleanse those with skin diseases. Drive out demons. And oh, by the way, you've received this. I want you to give it away free. You receive free of charge, give free of charge. So I have authority. I have this new power. <laughs> and I want you to go radically change the lost sheep. Why? Because we have been imparted, the apostles have been imparted the authority from Jesus to them. It's crazy enough is, is before Jesus entered the picture, John the Baptist was saying the same message. John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus. Now Jesus is saying, guys, I need you to continue to prepare the way. And in verse 9, I think this is kind of cool. In verse 9, he says, don't take along gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Now, I kind of wrestled with this. Like, why? Like, because of what you'll see in Luke 22, verse 36, super confusing again. In Matthew 10, he says, don't take any money. But now in Luke 22, verse 36, you have the absolutely complete, uh, the opposite. But now whoever has a money bag should take it and also a traveling bag. Wait, what? Now you want us to take it? Here's the difference. It's the audience. 
What you're going to see is, is what Nelson's commentary says, and I love this mentality. Let me finish in verse 10 of Matthew 10, and I'm going to talk about this, this all putting this together. He says, don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals or a walking stick for the worker is worthy of his food. In other words, where you go, you show up in a town, they're going to feed you because you're, you're worthy of your work. Here's what I love is that Nelson's commentary says they describe these 12 as going on a short term mission trip to Israel. That's how they describe this as a short term mission trip. In other words, I want you to do a national religious survey. You basically have 75 miles by 125 miles. It's not going to take you long, actually. This journey should not take you long. Israel is actually not that big. You're not going to need a ton of provisions. And if you do, your own people are going to provide for you. And so the shift for me is, he, he says, I want you to focus on my sheep, take care of it right now. It's going to happen. But then when it doesn't, and then in Luke 22, okay, we're on for a longer journey. This is a longer haul that we're in. That makes sense to you guys? I, to me, it started making like, oh yeah, okay, this is going to be quick, short. We're going to see this and it, it didn't happen. And so what do you do? And so I think this beginning stages, he says, just trust me for provision. I got it. In Matthew 10, I got it. In Matthew 28 or in Luke 22, okay, you can still trust me, but I want you to be prepared. I want you to be ready for a longer journey. In fact, that longer journey is still going till today. And then it says in verse 11, when you enter a town or a village and find out who's worthy, you stay there until you leave. You find a person of peace, a person of worthiness, prosperity, well-being, or blessing. Somebody that has good reputation and you camp out in that home. Don't move. Be like, hey, I kind of like my, my neighbor's house better. <laughs> you know, I, I heard about his Serta mattress. You know, like you can't move around because of beds and pillows. He says, you stay there and you, verse 12, you greet a household when you enter it. Remember, all they're doing right now is looking for lost sheep. That's it. Nothing else. That's their game plan. And everybody knew the mission. Everybody. The 12. Okay, we got it. Scripture continues on. If your household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it's unworthy, let your peace return to you. And in verse 14, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, if they don't actually agree with the message, then you shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. I assure you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. That's a pretty drastic statement considering Sodom and Gomorrah got wiped out, right? Sodom and Gomorrah gets wiped out, but the scripture says this. <laughs> um, it's actually going to be worse if you encounter my authority, my power, that's meaning Jesus' authority and power through the disciples, and you actually turn down the actual king himself to, uh, to the representatives, judgment will be way worse for you than it will even be for Sodom and Gomorrah. I guess to me, I'm like, whoa, that's, that's pretty drastic. So here's how I want to wrap all of this up. Warren Wearsby says, so what is our message as the church today? Is our message, you know, the kingdom of God is near or is our message, it's an interesting question, or is our message Christ died for all? Do you see the difference? Just, it's a target audience. And so as I process this, and I want you to process that as well, Mark 10, uh, Mark, here we go again. In Matthew 10 through Matthew 28, it's the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. You can say yes, and the kingdom is going to be ushered in. When you say this, Israel, when you repent and say, yes, I'm turning to the Lord, here we go. But because no longer did they say that, we now have an option, and we have to declare the gospel, the salvation to everybody. I think it's just an interesting uh, shift in my mind. And really, it's helped me say, man, we want to see as many people come to know the Lord as we can. And hopefully with, with time... Hopefully with time, the Jewish people will repent 
and they'll turn to their Messiah. And when they turn to the king, we get to be a part of the kingdom. There's a lot, a lot, a lot there. And I know we just really honestly just scratched the surface because there's so much more in Matthew 10 and it talks about persecution, right? And it gets, keeps going into persecution. It talks about fearing the Lord. It talks about acknowledging Christ, you know, in front of other men. And then it talks about, you know, hey, by the way, make sure you're still giving out water to people. <laughs> like you still love people in this process because there's nothing worse than sharing the gospel and not loving them in the process. And so uh, this is Matthew 10. We, I'll just tell you this, we all have a job. We're all supposed to be his ambassadors to represent the one true king. And then Lord willing with time, we will get to see something absolutely incredible in our lifetime. And that would be, yes, according to this scriptures, the Jewish people would turn to the Messiah. All right, guys, have an incredible day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.